Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. So, when I found out I was going to be talking about Amos today, I was really excited because I've got a fantastic Amos joke, okay? Now, it's a knock-knock joke, so you need to join in. Are you ready? Knock-knock. Amos. A mosquito. I know. I bumped into Harvey on the train on Thursday, and I told him my joke, and he was like... Okay, so... Um, I am going to need a little bit of help this morning. I've got quite a lot to do. So, first of all, I need a few people to hold up pictures for me. We need someone, thank you, Rebecca, straight there. Somebody to hold up a picture of Amos. Now, Amos was a prophet, but he wasn't from a family of prophets. So, it wasn't really his family thing. He was a shepherd. And also, and this is quite interesting, he looked after fig trees. I know. Anyway, so he had been sent, God had sent him to prophesy to the very wealthy Israel in the north. And at this time, Israel was enjoying peace and prosperity. And as is so easy when we enjoy peace and prosperity... The people of Israel had grown a bit complacent and were ignoring God. So, Amos had a couple of really scary prophecies. First of all, who would like to hold up the locusts? Luke. Now, I'm not going to talk about locusts because Natalie talked about locusts last week. And as we heard from the reading, Amos pleaded with God not to send the locusts. And God relented. Then he threatened to send fire. Who's going to hold up the fire? Yes, Raphael, come and hold up the fire. But again, Amos pleaded with God and interceded, and God said, no, this will not happen. Now, this is completely not to do with my talk, but I just thought we can't let this opportunity go by where we see behind the scenes. We see the power of prayer behind the scenes. We don't often see it, do we? We see it a bit, is it Abraham has a little discussion with God about the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then there's the behind the scenes bit we see in Job a bit. And then there's a bit in Daniel, isn't it, where Daniel's praying and and then nothing happens. And then this angel appears and said, oh, sorry, Daniel, got a bit delayed having to wrestle with the prince of Persia. What's that about? Now, I'm not going to go into that because That is, uh, we don't have time, and it's way beyond my pay scale to unpack things like that. Leave that to the vicars. But um, I just want to remind us, it reminded me that there is power in prayer, and there's power in persistent prayer, even if we don't see anything happen on our side. Right, okay, back to Amos's prophecy. So we've got Amos, prophecies that God relented on, this one is the biggie. So it's not, it's worse than locusts. It's worse than fire. It is the prophecy of the plumb line. 
Does anybody know what a plumb line is? We can, we can allow clever adults to join in too. What is a plumb line, people? Oh, look, there we go. Chris, I hope Chris Tinker knows what a plumb line is. Otherwise, <laughs> we're all in trouble. Chris Tinker, come on. It's a line which, because of gravity, yes. will sit vertically. Yes. And for those who want to get their wallpaper straight, yes. it would allow you to put a dotted line on the wall Ooh. to align your first sheet. Brilliant. And Chris is available for wallpapering. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. For those who don't know, Chris is helping us with the project management of building the atrium and building the new centre. So he has credibility when he talks about well, plumb lines. In actual fact, I was watching out of the window that the guys build the connecting wall this week between the atrium and the, the new building at the end. And I was desperately hanging out of the window, hoping that somebody got a plumb line out, but... But no, I would have asked Chris to rush up there with my homemade one, had I known. Anyway, back to the point. What is the point? Yes. So, God is going to use a plumb line to measure up Israel's walls. Now, that doesn't sound too scary, does it? But God's not talking about Israel's actual physical walls. God's talking about the walls of Israel's hearts, the heart of the nation. Um, do you tell you what, why don't you give Sarah the picture? Oh, you can hold my plumb line because my arms are getting tired. Thank you. And yours are younger and stronger than mine. You can put your arms down if you get tired. Thank you. Okay, so, yeah, the wall of the nation that Israel had built was wobbly and crooked because they had, they had turned away from God. They weren't following God. Their hearts and their lives were off balance and unstable. So, tell you what, you three, put those down. Would you like to help build my wall now? Fantastic, great. So, come with me. Let's start building the wall. So, if any boxes have got words on, point them at the front. We'll have the other big one next to it. That's it. Do you want to put this big... There we are. Right, if you pile up my wall while I talk, if they've got words on, make sure that they're pointing forwards. Brilliant. We might have to fold the tops down as well. There we go. Right, now, while they're building, let me check my notes. Yes, so we can see what... Israel was building in their wall. Let's have a look. We've got oppressing the poor. We've got being complacent. That means being very pleased with yourself because you, you think you're amazing. We've got wrong relationships. They were um, taking advantage of, of vulnerable people, not treating them properly. They were ignoring God. It actually says they were silencing the prophets. They were fighting and I, is there another word? Or is that all my words? That might be all my words. Even worse, there's another one. Where? Where? That one. No, no, I, I think. Oh, see? Always listen to the creative director. 
greed. Oh, sorry. <laughs> greed. Yes. Anyway, as we look at, um, at these things that God was accusing the Israelites of doing and building their wobbly wall, I looked at these and I thought, do you know what? These are pretty familiar. This is what we see on the news, isn't it? This is what we see in our nation. I mean, slavery, the story of Mo Farah, it's still happening today. Oppressing the poor, greed, I don't need to look too far. Complacency, wrong relationships. Fake worship. Now this one, I almost get the impression this was the one that hurt God most because the Israelites knew they were doing the wrong thing. They knew they were ignoring God. But they still, quite smugly, took their offerings to the temple and expected God to be pleased with them. The other thing I thought, though, when I looked at this, I mean, it's very easy to get righteously angry with Israel and the nation and the world. But I thought, actually, how does my heart hold up to God's plumb line? <sighs> Ooh. How does, if my heart was a wall, would my heart wall, mixing up my metaphors here, would it be wobbly? Now, we need the plumb line back. Do you know where the plumb line is? Great, hold it up, please, Rebecca. That would be fab. Now, let's hold our plumb line up to our hearts in light of what the Bible says. If you got it. Brilliant. Oh, is it fallen off? Oh, dear. Never mind. Oh, yeah, Luke, there's a spare one here. Thanks. If you mend that one, um, Rebecca, here's another one. So, hold up the plumb line. Are we generous in our giving and serving? Hmm. Are we humble, gentle, and patient, speaking to one another in love? Maybe with friends and colleagues. Definitely not at home. <laughs> Are we honest, full of integrity in all that we do? And just in case we feel that we're doing rather well, let's consider Jesus' teaching as our plumb line. Jesus said, if you look at someone with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. If you look at someone with hate in your heart, you've committed murder. I mean, we just don't stand a chance against God's plumb line, do we? I think my heart, like this wall, is just going to topple and crash. That's just... <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Excellent. Well done. Okay. Brilliant. Now... Our God, amazing God, does not leave things there. At the end of Amos, we heard that God made a promise. In that day, I will restore David's fallen tent. I will repair its broken places, restore its ruins and build it as it used to be. God promises to repair the broken wall of his people himself. He knows we don't have perfect hearts. We can't build walls that match up to his plumb line. So God himself 
is going to rebuild us. Now, there's a little clue in the prophecy. He talks about David's fallen tent, who was the great descendant of David. Oh, let's see who's been listening in our, all the trekkers leaders are here. Yes, who's that? Was that a hand up? Is that a great des- who's the great descendant of, of David? Let's see. Yes, that's right. He was, he was David's descendant. That's right. And it's through Jesus that God promises to rebuild us. Through Jesus' death and resurrection. I mean, just simply, when we say sorry to God, lost my notes, sorry. Yeah, when we say sorry to God for going our own way, and ask Jesus to live inside us. He'll wipe out all the wrong, wobbly bits in our lives and make us right. Now, you guys, and anybody else that wants to help you, I need the words, the wrong words, removed from these boxes, please, so that we can rebuild. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are a new creation. If we have chosen to follow Jesus, there is no condemnation. He makes us a new creation, a rebuilt wall, if you like. So once you've removed all the um, words, put them at the back, and then can you rebuild a really nice straight wall for me, please? Thank you. I'll carry on talking while you do that. Is that all right? Division of labor. I like it. Thank you. Now, I was thinking about this a bit deeper as I was walking the dog. We know this. We know Jesus wipes away all the mess. We know he rebuilds our lives. But do we really know this? Do we live like this is a reality? Do we trust him to rebuild our lives? Or do we just carry on struggling in our own strength? I was thinking, this time I was washing the windows. It's amazing what you think about when you're doing these jobs. I was thinking, it's like, do you ever find yourself as if you're sitting on the floor, surrounded by a pile of boxes because you've been trying really hard to get everything right. You've been following Jesus' teaching, but somehow you're just exhausted. It's still all a bit wobbly. You just want to sit in the pile of boxes and admit defeat and say, do you know what? I'm a bit done with this. I know I felt like that sometimes. Now, I decided to take away on holiday with me a little light holiday reading. John Freeman recommended, see here, recommended recommended this book called Humble and Lowly by Dane Ortland. I thought that sounds nice, quite affirming and relaxing. So I'm on my sunbed on the beach. There's people crashing in the sea, people playing that like ping pong game, people running around screaming. And then there's the beach hut banging out music and I'm there and I'm reading this book, this deep theology of the depth 
of Jesus' saving love for us. And we're looking at the original words in Greek, and we're thinking about the, um, the writings of um, theologians from the Puritan times. And at this point, I realize this is not a beach read. <laughs> Don't read it on the beach. So I'm going to read you a paragraph now. So get your beach heads switched off. Get your deep puritanical theology switched on. Here we go. He, Jesus, does not get flustered and frustrated when we come to him for fresh forgiveness, for renewed pardon with distress and need and emptiness. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. He went down into the horror of death and plunged through the other side. Lost sound. Ooh. In order to provide a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people. But there's a deeper point Goodwin is making here. Goodwin is this like ancient Puritan theologian, apparently is a contemporary of Cromwell from the Civil War, sort of quite a few years ago. Jesus doesn't want us to draw on his grace and mercy only because it vindicates his atoning work. He wants us to draw on his grace and mercy because it is who he is. Because it is who he is. Now, this isn't a free pass to carry on singing, sinning deliberately because we know God will forgive us. We're talking about coming to God for forgiveness in distress and need and emptiness. He wants us to draw on his grace and mercy because it is who he is. So let's listen to Amos. Let's turn to God. Come back to Jesus. Ask him to take control, to rebuild your life. We will never be perfect on our own, but we have a savior who is perfect and will present us faultless to our God. Amen. Amen.